Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Coda Brewing. Taking off into the 2022 season, the Cardinals are hoping to soar like never before. Quarterback and pro bowler Kyler Murray. Call sign K-1. Leads a potent air and ground attack. K-1 can go ballistic with unrivaled downfield accuracy. An 80-yard strike. Kyler Murray. Or he can turn on the afterburners and use his speed to score. And he's in for the touchdown. Kyler Murray makes him pay with a 12-yard run. His primary deep threat is new addition to the squadron Marquise Brown. Call sign Hollywood. Along with backfield workhorse James Conner. Call sign Terminator. Whiteout, Rondale, gimme some more. And tight end Zach, so good it hurts. K1 and the cards have the air superiority tactics and firepower to pile up points. To me, this guy gives us a chance to win the Super Bowl, and that's something to be excited about. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Live from the Auction Community Studios, it is the Wolf and Luke Show on this Thursday morning. Wolf, the Giveathon for PCH continues today. We're yes, going to talk to uh, Spencer Whipple here shortly. Get his thoughts on the Cardinals' offense. Lorenzo Alexander is going to join us for the lowdown. Got a D-backs game coming up uh, early today. They've got a lot going on here again as we yeah, wrap up no, for football. This is, this is great stuff, man. No doubt about it. Um, of course, it's been an awesome week for the Phoenix Children's Giveathon. Of course, that we've been doing here all week long. Really, really excited about that. Um, we're doing very very well, but we still need your help, my brothers and sisters of the basin. We still need your help. Having said that, man, I'll tell you what, I'm getting jacked up because I know it's coming. Preseason game number two, and whenever you get near preseason game number two, you know what that means, Luke? Preseason game number three is coming. <laughs> wow. Okay. Hold on. Let me, let me write this down. So write that down right there. And you know that, okay. you know what I love it after you get through the the first two preseason games in this modern era where you only have three. And by the way, they're going to cut it to two. Ron Wolfley reporting at some point in time, they're going to cut it to two. I don't know when that's going to be, but I would imagine over the next two, three seasons, you're going to see them cut the preseason to two games games period and you're going to see a lot more of the joint practices but i, I, I kind of I, I like this this should be a, a like a segment on the show where we break news but not that we know when it's happening yes. you know what i mean like i can break in i can be like the cincinnati bengals are going to win the super bowl <laughs> at some point in the future it's going to happen well you know what honestly again <laughs> is that what you're saying uh, they're going no they're going to win the super bowl oh you didn't say they were going to go to the super bowl you said they were going to actually win but not this year super bowl. i don't know when it's it could happen okay. in 50. actually that's a bad example let me say the chiefs are going to win at some okay, point the that's chiefs probably safer <laughs> Yes, but you know what? Honestly, I love it, man. Every time that second preseason game comes around, man, especially because we got news, Trey McBride, we're going to talk about him and we're going to go into more detail, but he's going to make an appearance as well. I'm jacked up about that. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I like shows like this where it's just packed and we've honestly got like six hours worth of stuff to try and fit in four hours. So let's start with the Cardinals Wolf. We played some of the Hollywood Brown sound yesterday, but now we can dive a little deeper into it. Uh, starting with the question about he and Kyler Murray chemistry-wise. Now, that might seem like a redundant question at first because obviously they have a history at Oklahoma. 
and they're very good friends off the field. But until you're actually on the field together in the NFL, it's not a redundant question, especially when they're not really in a, hey, let's ease Hollywood Brown into it situation. They need him making a big impact week one against the Chiefs. Me and him be apart for months. We get together in the summer, go against some DBs, and we clicking like like never before. I mean, I know him. He knows me. He knows what I like. I know what he likes. So it's just something that, you know, we kind of just got. I'm assuming we're not going to see him in the preseason either if we're not seeing Kyler. Yeah, that's probably a good assumption right there. Um, you know what? I, I would imagine at some point in time, though, you're going to see Kyler, right? That would be maybe the third preseason game. I don't know. Against the Tennessee Titans. Go out there and take three snaps. Really? <laughs> three snaps? I, I don't know. Three handoffs? I, I know that he played so well. And he played very, very little. I know that. But still, um, man, it just, I, I think about it. I think to myself, you're not going to get him three snaps. <laughs> not going to get him three snaps before you actually go in. I, I don't know. It just seems inconceivable to me, Luke. Well, I, I, I want to agree with you, but I don't think we're going to see him. I, I would take the under on three snaps at this point. If we're not seeing him this week at home, national TV, not that that stuff really matters in the preseason, but it's the second game. I'm I'm kind of assuming that's when you're going to see starters if you're going to see them. I don't think we're going to see Kyler. And if we're not going to see Kyler, I mean, are we going to see Connor? Are we going to see Hollywood Brown? Are we going to see a lot of these guys? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why practice and the tempo in practice and how hard you're going in practice is so important. Because if you're going to get any timing down whatsoever, if you're going to build that chemistry, uh, typically that's when you're going to do it. And they do go at a up-tempo. There's no doubt they go and they, they practice really, really hard in terms of their speed and coming off the ball. They don't hit a ton, but I do know that they go at it one-on-one individually. It's something that we're going to see them do against the Tennessee Titans as well. Uh, more from Hollywood Brown talking about the speeding ticket incident, of course. Uh, and just learn from it. Uh, you know, I'm not a guy to get in trouble, so you know, I just put it in my past and you know, make sure I'm always doing the right things at, at, at all times. And the follow-up? Uh, I mean, very disappointed. I mean, I got a lot of kids that look up to me, so I want to set the right example. At all times. Can I just say accountability matters? It matters. Man, I, I love that. Uh, if Hollywood is this accountable as a player, things are going to go really, really well here in Arizona. I truly believe that because he's an incredible talent and because of the chemistry that he does have with Kyler Murray. If, in fact, he's going to be this accountable or he's going to, you know, it was disappointing. Say it the way that it is. It was disappointing. He did something he shouldn't have done. He did something that I've done myself, and I've admitted it on the air in a Trans Am. That was my brother Craig's going 125 and a 55. I did it myself. So I, I'm not throwing stones at anybody, but it was a dumb thing to do. And I know dumb, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I admit it. But if you're this accountable right here, things are going to go well. Every player needs that kind of accountability. Yeah, you know, look, I think the key, what he said in there, in addition to taking the accountability, is that he's not somebody that that gets in trouble. Now, look, 126 and a 65 is putting a lot of people at risk. 
people do make mistakes if this is really it. Like if, if he's going to be here for the next five, six, seven, eight years and he never gets in trouble off the, the field again, people make mistakes. You got to. But to me, to get that second chance, you do have to have that sort of accountability that he did. That can't be easy to stand in front of however many reporters. But really, you're standing in front of the entire football world and saying, look, I'm disappointed in myself. Uh, to me, that doesn't absolve what he did, but it, it it's at least like, okay, I, nobody's perfect. Well, if he does it again... Have you ever, made a, mistake? Have you ever yeah. made a mistake, and Luke? That's the thing. Probably seven today on the way to work. But if he... If if this happens again in three weeks, or it happens, but he doesn't have a history yeah, in getting right. in trouble off the off the field, so yeah, I mean you got to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt that he's not going to do it again. That seemed like an honest response. We don't know Hollywood yet. It's not like he's been here for ten years and you kind of have a sense of like, hey, I know this guy, but we've seen him around the NFL before and in college. I, I don't remember him ever getting in trouble for anything else. Do you? I no, don't. I don't. No, I don't. Listen, every player, no matter who you are, no matter what your stature is inside of a locker room, every player needs a a person to keep him accountable. A peer or a peer group even is even better. Every player needs that, no matter who you are. I JJ Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Buda Baker, or Hollywood Brown, they all need peers. You've got to have people that will walk up and keep you accountable. I mean, it's, it's something that I talk about all the time, leadership, and how critical leadership really is inside that locker room. And you know what it looks like? Walking up and saying, what are you doing? That's what it looks like. It, it's literally D-Hop walking up to a J.J. Watt and saying, man, what are you doing? You can't be jumping around your block. You can't be doing Stay in your gap. I mean, which just makes me it's laugh. Kind of, it's an awkward conversation. Every time I hear that. But that's the kind of accountability, man, they need inside that locker room. Every player needs a peer or a peer group. We come back. You can become a champion of hope. It's a chance to bring just a little bit of joy to a child working hard to get well. The Give-A-Thon Week for Phoenix Children's continues next on The Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Give-A-Thon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Auction Indian community. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station and the Arizona Sports App. Give-A-Thon on The Wolf and Luke Show. It is the Give-A-Thon for Phoenix Children's, presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Akchin Indian community. Wolf, as we hit Thursday, uh, the Desert Financial Phone Bank, volunteers standing by, 602-933-4567. You can become a champion of hope for $20 a month, or you can do more if you want. A teddy bear will be delivered to a patient in your name, and you'll be making a huge difference in a lot of children's lives and their families. Speaking of that right now, man, thank you, Basinonians, people of the sun, people of Arizona that have been... And contributing and donating this entire week right now. We're off to a great start. We've got a couple more days here. We want to finish strong, of course, obviously, but it just makes you feel so good. Makes you feel proud to live in this city, in this county, in this state. Because of the people that live here, because of the people that are rallying around Phoenix Children's, man, it makes you feel great. Uh, to that end, Wolf, we have a check presentation right now from Los Altos Ranch Markets. Hi, my name is Prabhash Kuswadi. I am the Chief Operating Officer for Los Altos Ranch Markets and a board member for Cardenas Markets Foundation. Uh, we have been long-standing supporters for Phoenix Children's Hospital, and we're excited to be a part of this year's Giveathon. 
I'm excited to present this check, this check for $15,000 to the Phoenix Children's Patients. And I would love for you guys to join me in supporting the Phoenix Children's Patients by calling 602-933-4567, phone bank. Thank you very much. I like when they give out the number, too. Yeah. I like they just kind of slide that, that in beautiful. there, too, doing our job for us, which I appreciate. $15,000. $15,000 is, is very, I mean, that's huge. It's gonna, we talk about how, you know, if you can do $20 a month, Wolf, it makes such a difference. I know it doesn't maybe seem like a lot. If you drive by the hospital, you're like, this place is huge. Is 20 bucks a month really going to help? It absolutely helps. And uh, to that end, obviously, $15,000 really, really helps. No doubt. Uh, all right, Wolf, it is time right now for another story of hope presented by Madame Holmes just weeks before. Before her due date, Linda's mom learned her unborn daughter had an extremely rare genetic condition which affects the development of the skeletal and reproductive systems. Children with this condition rarely live past their first year, and if they do, they're on life support. But not this fighter. This is Linda's story. I had been admitted for signs and symptoms of preeclampsia, and I was at 38 weeks. They came in, they told us that uh, Linda was more than likely not going to make it and you know asked us if we had chosen a name to which i said i was like yes uh her name is linda and they said that's great because it, it usually makes the grieving process a lot easier sorry my OBGYN decided that that, she, that we were going to have to be induced so that i would be giving birth on my due date december 25th asked my family for a moment so I went into my bedroom, I closed the door, and I started rubbing my tummy, and I started praying. This child is not mine. This child is yours. And if you allow me to borrow her, we're waiting for her. Around 3, 3.30, I started feeling everything again. <laughs> the doctor said it's time to push. And they had told us, they were like, they were the one thing that we're looking for is if she can cry. Because the moment she cries, it means that she made it. Because with campomelic dysplasia, the rib cage will either so compact and tight that first breath of air, uh, they can't. Or it'll be so glass-like and fragile that when they take that first breath of air, the, the rib cage shatters. 15 minutes is all it took. 15 minutes. And at 4.30, I gave birth. They bring over an incubator with uh, this tiny peanut in it. <laughs> and they're like, look, this is your daughter. And I'm seeing her through this glass. And I told her, I was like, Linda, you hang on in there. They told me that she wasn't going to make it past the birthing stage. She did. Um, they said her prognosis was a year. She's now eight. They told me that she shouldn't really be moving or really doing much of anything, that she was going to be in pretty much a vegetative state. And they told me that she wasn't probably going to be able to eat. Right now, we're finally decreasing her formula feeds, and her doctors are hoping that we will eventually be able to wing off that NG tube. And she's eating. She's eating foods of all types. They told me that she wasn't going to be able to really move or have much mobility. Linda started crawling last August. She's still wheelchair bound, but man, should you see her in that wheelchair. She enjoys popping wheelies, looking and seeing fast cars. And to her in her wheelchair, she'll say, I go vroom vroom. <laughs> 
every specialist there. They're just amazing at having levels of compassion, of, of empathy. They're not just trying to solve our problems, they're trying to work with us to find a solution. Again, life with her, it's had its challenges, and there are more, more often than not, we have to make adaptations. But she doesn't really see herself as different. Or if she does, she doesn't show it. <laughs> wow, that is, uh, once again, that is incredible. incredible. That is Linda's story right there um can you imagine that you're you're 38 weeks no i could not imagine that i don't know what it's like 38 weeks pregnant um i don't understand that yet at the same time you're suddenly told that your baby is got a real issue and you might want to choose a name because it helps the grieving process act I can't even imagine that day and, and the way that, that that changed the life and the lives of people around Linda. Pick up the phone and call 602-933-4567 in the name of a fighter, in the name of Linda. Pick up the phone, 602-933-4567, $20 a month, you become a champion of hope. Why are we playing that music, Luke? Well, if we're playing that music, because we are in a match right now. SDB contracting is going to match anything that you call and donate with. So if you call up right now at 602-933-4567, they're going to match your donation so get uh, twice as much impact for each dollar you're able to uh, to send and you just you know wolf you and i we can talk about hey this makes an impact this makes an impact and it does but when you hear a story like linda's story you can kind of hear firsthand what the family went through and the fact that linda is still here fighting in no small part because of pch yeah you know and once again i was talking about this yesterday but it's so true I, my entire life i've been around some incredibly tough tough people and yet i think of linda who's eight years old how incredibly tough she is what a fighter she is they gave her a year that was the prognosis base and audience they gave linda a year she's eight years old man pick up the phone and call Call, please, in the name of Linda, 602-933-4567. They gave her a year. She's eight years old. That's all you need to know. 602-933-4567. a month, man. And you become a champion of hope. And a kid gets a teddy bear in your name. 602-933-4567. Don't wait. Don't wait. You know I'm talking to you. Don't wait. Do it now, please. So many of these different uh, programs and services that they have at PCH are funded mainly through or entirely through Philanthropy Wolf, the One Darn Cool School, Animal Assisted Therapy, the Child Life Zone, the Emily Center Family uh, Health Library, which is really interesting because it gives families a chance to go, you know, read about what the some of the details of what they're dealing with, the Homeless Youth Outreach Program, Injury Prevention Programs, Therapeutic Arts, so much more. Most of them almost funded entirely through philanthropy. So, yes, your donation makes a huge difference. At 602-933-4567. They said Linda would not even walk. 
She's crawling. They said she would not move. She would. She's crawling right now. It is incredible. This fighter six zero two nine three three four five six seven. That sound means it's time for the train teddy bear express. So when you become a champion of hope for twenty dollars a month, that teddy bear is going to be delivered to a patient in your name. You'll receive your choice of a kids pass, a Wildlife World Zoo, or a cobblestone car wash. When we come back, is this year's wide receiver room the best the Cardinals have had of the Cliff Kingsbury era? We're going to ask their co-pass game coordinator, Spencer Whipple. He's going to join us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Now presented by 72 Zones and Kona Brewing. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. All right, we are speeding towards game two of this preseason. It's just a couple days away now against the Baltimore Ravens Sunday night national television, and that means the regular season is not that far away. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line is Arizona Cardinals co-pass game coordinator Spencer Whipple. Spencer, thank you for the time. How's uh, training camp treating you? Of course. Thanks for having me on. I, re- I appreciate it. Um, it's going really well. You know, I think uh, – it's about that time in, in uh, camp where guys are, you know, ready to start going against, uh, you know, some other opponents, which is, you know, last week playing Cincinnati and and uh, this week against the Ravens, and then, you know, finish up with a week a week of practice against the Titans out in Nashville, which I, which I think will be really good. So it's going great so far. Guys are making a lot of strides, a lot of really good competition on uh, both sides of the ball. Whip, if you don't mind, could you go ahead and tell us how is the co-passing coordinator situation working out so far in training camp? It's going great. You know, still uh, uh, working with the re- uh, receivers and, um, you know, working with uh, Cam and, and Coach on, you know, a lot of the uh, pass installs and um, seeing what we want to maybe implement. You know, we have, uh, you know, some base installs that we work through in the spring and take those with us through camp. And, you know, the beauty of training camp is you have so many more practices that, um, you know, after you, you cover a lot of your base stuff, you may want to take a look at um, some new some new wrinkles and um, see if it's a fit for moving into the season and and um you know that's the great part you can install something each day and and uh, take a look at it and fit it with different personnel and and then maybe carry it on into the season talking to spencer whipple spencer we got a lot of questions about guys we know for sure are on this team but i want to ask you about trace mcsorley just because he did come over during the season last year he's looked good in camp and we've been out there he obviously looked good in that first preseason game it sounds like he's going to get more chances here going forward what have you seen from trace mcsorley Trace has been great. He's a competitor. I mean, and he's a gamer. Um, you know, when we, you saw that in the in the game last weekend, um, I thought when he came in last last year, he, he he jumped right into the 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 show team defense scout team or show team offense. In the season, you'd kind of just felt it right away. He had great command of of that that offense, and it carried through into the off season. Um, just just creating a a bond with with the skill guys, getting on the same page, and then now we here here we are in training camp, and um, you know he's just keeps growing and growing you can see you know he's got the ability to break outside the pocket and make plays with his feet extend the play um and now his command of the offense is his understanding of it um has taken to a new level so he's been impressive this camp whip what does hollywood brown do for this offense what does he do 
He just gives you an, uh, uh, another dimension on the outside. I mean, he's got um, really explosive speed, um, and you can see the speed down the field. But really the thing um, with, with Hollywood that you'll see right off the tape um, and in practice even is his get-off, his acceleration off the line of scrimmage um, is, is, is very impressive. And, uh, you know, he he creates a lot of cushion with that, a lot of space. You know, he, he, he pushes the coverage back. And so a lot of his intermediate uh, – passing game is also going to be um, you know big form as well as you know stuff down the field so he brings a whole new another element uh, dimension and obviously he's got you know rapport with Kyler from from college and, and that trust there is is uh, goes a long way as well so um, they've been working great so far has has Hollywood had any impact whatsoever in regard to Rondale Moore and Rondale Moore being used more vertically I would imagine it's got to be some aid comfort and shelter to Rondale to look at Hollywood Brown and watch him run routes because to me, I, I think that's the biggest change for Rondell. He's got to get more vertical. Would you agree with that, Whip? Yeah, I think everybody, you know, everybody's uh, um, has has their own skill set, and everybody um, out there is just, you know, at least, you know, in this camp, just focusing on, you know, what they can do to get better. And obviously, Rondell, you know, moving. You know, having a more extensive role in the slot. You know, um, you know, have a have, you know, more of a route tree, just like just like any of the guys. And that's, like I said, in, in camp, that's the great thing about the installs and the practices you have. You can move guys around and get different looks, and 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 you know, you know, uh, switch guys up positions inside, outside, and and uh, you know, while still running the same concept. So, you know, everybody's um, we we like as as receivers to be able to run the entire route tree, whether it's inside, yeah. outside, and have flexibility. That, that's the great part about it. We're talking to Spencer Whipple, the Cardinals co-pass game coordinator. Uh, Spencer, we have talked a lot about Kyler Murray getting to call some plays, not only in camp, but during the game on Friday night. And it, it seems like a cool story. We can sit here and talk about what we think the benefits are, but what do you what do you believe the benefits to be? Well, I think uh, there's. I, I think it's a great idea. I think it's uh, there's a lot there's a lot of benefits to it um, in the game, obviously, but but also just in practice because um, you know all of a sudden your mind, you know, after doing that on the sideline and, and calling it in, I think will give him a different perspective once he's out there because now that you know the situation the the down and distance the time and the clock everything becomes you know you, you've thought of that in a, in a in a place where you have to call the play and now every time it's almost probably just natural that you're you're recognizing and understanding that um and you know in, in his head now while he's out there you know running the show at quarterback i'm sure a lot of that stuff you know is going through his head and and okay what's going to work here in this situation um so i, I think it's a great exercise i think it's um it, it was a, it, it's really good for for him and really any quarterback to do that, I think, um, is, is, is going to be a lot of help. You know, it's amazing, Whip. You guys were the number five run rate team in the National Football League going into December. And here you are, the co-passing game coordinator right here. How important is the running game to actually throwing the ball? I think anytime you you have uh, you know you can you can you can run the ball that's obviously going to open up um, plays down the field and I think vice versa I think it's just um, to, to each team what are their strengths and and uh, that's what you need to play to and um, I think we do a great job of that I think coach you know devising the, the plans and and um, you know having balance and, and you know when they think it's going to be a run you're you're throwing it over their head and and uh, you know when they're when you're lined up in pass formations then then here comes the run 
so um, I think we do a great job mixing up sets, formations, looks to to not only you know run, uh, but also pass the ball and, and vice versa. So they they play off each other for sure. Talking to Spencer Whipple, Spencer, I know it's very very early in his career, and I know he's he's missed a good chunk of camp. But what what uh, could Trey McBride potentially do for you guys in the passing game? Well, I think Trey's, he's, uh, you know, coming out of college, we, you know, we really liked him. And, uh, you know, not only, you know, in the, in the passing game, but also in the running game. And, uh, you know, he shows that, that uh, element of a complete tight end. Um, and I think every day that you watched him in the offseason from the first day he was there, he's, he's taken a step forward. And I know he's had a little bit of an injury, but, but uh, you know, he's definitely developing and, and each day he's getting better and better and that's what you just want to see you want to see guys you know moving moving upward and, and he's definitely doing that whip if this offense is going to be as good as i think it is what needs to happen what needs to happen as you see this offense right now the talent that is on this offense what needs to come together for you guys to reach your pinnacle just uh, you know, focusing on the task at hand, and I think uh, you know, playing playing good, smart football, and not not um, killing ourselves. And I think uh, now here we are in year four. I think the the group of guys that are um, in the offensive unit know that um, as long as we don't um, kill ourselves, move backwards, and um, you know, you know, penalties, you know, turnovers, those kinds of things, and that we can be as good as we want to be. And I think that's a true belief now. I think that's what coaches instilled in the group, and uh, those guys believe it and i think uh you know i'm just looking forward to you know when we get out there and we have the whole unit together that uh, to see what what's going to happen when uh, you know we obviously have to see it on the field but when you look on paper you see depth at tight end depth at running back receiver obviously if kyler murray i think you probably like the depth behind him as well the offensive line is mostly the same coming back is i mean this this is a pretty loaded offense especially in terms of of what you guys have had since cliff got here it is it is it's it's uh Great weapons at, at every position, like you said, you can go top down, and um, I think the depth's important too, because um, you know the NFL season, you know, and how how grueling it can be and and long, and everybody's going to have a role, and um, you never know what can happen. So you know, to have that depth, to have guys who've played in a lot of games, to have the experience um, at hand is going to you know you know come in big, especially at the you know the the end of the season, um, where you may have some injuries and guys can step in and you don't miss a beat. You know, that's that's the big thing, and. Um, I think uh, we're seeing that here in year four. Thanks for your time, Coach. Really appreciate it, as always, buddy. Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Okay, thanks, Coach. That's, okay. that's Spencer Whipple joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back. Cardinals will be practicing with the Titans next week. How much can a team learn in joint practices? 15-year NFL vet Lorenzo Alexander will join us for the lowdown next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM. Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. Guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar pills are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15 year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. 
Yeah, Zoe is here in studio joining us right now for the next hour as we talk a little uh, football. We talk Cardinals. Wolf, I know you've been excited about this story from way back at the like the start of the offseason when we first found out that the Cardinals might be practicing with Tennessee and now next <laughs> yeah. week it's going to happen. Uh, but, Zoe, I, I just want to get your thoughts before we get into whatever's going on with Carolina and New England when they practice together. Just uh, from your experience, what sort of extra benefit does that give you to – finally get to hit somebody else instead of just your teammates over and over again in preseason. Yeah, well, I think it does a, a, a couple of things, right? Especially as we think about the preseason as we know it and how it's significantly shifted from, you know, you get your ones out there the first week, you know, they play maybe a quarter, then, then a, a half, then maybe the first series of that third game or that third uh, quarter in that third game, to now these, these – uh, joint practices have almost become a showcase for the first team because now you're playing against another first team, but you're in a controlled environment. And so you really don't have to worry about the quarterback getting hurt or getting hit or taking unnecessary punishment. And you get to go against somebody new and fresh. And so you, a lot, the ones will get a lot of, got a lot of reps there. And for me, I really enjoyed it, especially when you had two strong head coaches, right? We had, um, uh, Sean McDermott and then Ron Rivera. Obviously, Sean McDermott knew Ron really well and they set the tone early. So, Maybe 10 years ago, I remember 2012 or 2013 when I was first was here and we was watching TV and watching all these joint practices and it was just fights left and right, left and right. Man, like this is, we're not getting nothing done out here. And I think the head coach, especially when you have guys like that, Belichick, right, where he's at, when they set the tone early, you act, it's actually really productive. You get something out of it. You don't have fights every five seconds. And you really get to see uh, the ones versus their ones in a controlled environment where you're really minimizing a lot of the risks that you take when you play guys in the, in the preseason. Where do you see preseason in the next five years in the National Football League? Where do you see itself? I, I think it will eventually, I mean, if you ask the league, they probably would like to get to 18 games and take preseason down to, to two games, right? Uh, from a logistic standpoint, especially when we think about um, as these joint practices grow and, and you can get production out of that and get ready for the season because preseason doesn't make them a ton of money, right? That's not what the networks are playing for because it really doesn't mean anything. It's exhibition. It's more for coaches and GMs to evaluate their guys, to put their teams together. And a lot of those guys already know, generally speaking, probably the top, let's say, 40 guys, right? And that last bottom 10, and you may have a diamond in the rough here and there that, that, that becomes a surprise. But they, they generally know who's going to be on their team. And so there's not as, I think, a significant as emphasis as it was, you know, um, you know, 15 years ago. 20 years ago when football also wasn't year-round. And that's why it was so important because guys had other jobs. And I'm pretty sure you played with guys that had other jobs, right? Oh, yeah, was it right it, before you? Really Craig. Right, it was right, Craig. Yeah, so, your brother, so you know. So your brother, yes. right? So you saw him where he may have had to work at a car dealership or in a in a financial office in the offseason because football wasn't as lucrative as it was. And so when you came back, training camp was actually to get guys in shape. And so you had yep. football so hard, it had to be hard because you you had this small window that you had to fit everything in and making sure guys had to be ready, be prepared, and be able to be physical enough to, to play football. Now that shifted significantly, and but that was a little bit behind than, than where guys were yeah. being year-round. You know, it, it's interesting because I, I've never talked to you about this, but I honestly think, too, it, it used to be a prerequisite where you had to be tough. 
to play the game of football. I don't think you necessarily have to be anymore. You, I, I would agree with that because I it's a, it's a lot of guys in the league right now that would not have been able to play in your era. Even when I first got in the league, it was just it was just different. I'm not saying it's better. It's not bad, I'm saying man, it's yeah, different. It's different. Exactly yeah, right. coaches yes. wanted tough guys, yes. and they made it. They was intentional about making it hard. This is why I love talking <laughs> to him because because seriously, Zoe yeah. is the bridge player. He's the ultimate bridge player. I've talked to you right, about yeah, this yeah. before in the past. He actually, when he first started playing, I I totally recognize his game and everything he went through. Right, right. And the type of training camps he was in. <laughs> yeah. I totally understand. But at, by the end of his career, it was totally different. That's why we keep bringing him you in, because he understands. Yeah, it's a beautiful perspective. It's a big shift, and I think that's just how culture and everything is shifts. The football has shifted, and it's obviously more health and safety, right? And you have to have yep. that blend, because tough. To figure out if a guy is really tough, you're not really worried about health and safety so yeah. much. <laughs> they don't go <laughs> hand in know, hand. They really don't go <laughs> hand in hand. And so we've had to find the blend of how do I figure out a guy is, is, is tough and can be be resilient and play this game, but also, obviously, we're not trying to uh, hinder guys from living productive lives yep. after they finish the game. Right. You mentioned, though, you don't necessarily get a lot out of these joint practices if you're just fighting the whole time. This right. is Mike Giardi uh, yesterday talking about what's going on with New England and Carolina. This is after a couple fights yesterday that forced both coaches to gather their teams around them and say, guys, we're wasting time. Enough is enough. This isn't what good teams do. Well, guess what? They started today with a couple of massive brawls. A Donnybrook, really, that happened when Christian McCaffrey was knocked out of bounds in front of a full house of fans. The resulting football fling at Dietrich Wise led to bodies flying, and in fact, one fan actually got hit by a helmet of one of the Patriot players. Turns out that she is fine. Hit her in the foot. She refused medical attention, and she got some free tickets, I think, to an upcoming game. But meanwhile, players were once again thrown out, including Kenny Robinson of Carolina. Now, Robinson's problem was it happened in a thud drill on a kickoff in which Christian Wilkerson got absolutely popped, the Patriots returner. Now, it wasn't supposed to be full contact. And then Robinson stood over Wilkerson. I thought it at one point, it looked like he was gesturing for medical staff to come over. The Patriots thought that he was taunting the player, and it turns out Matt Rule, the Carolina coach, thought that as well. They sent Robinson packing. Robinson actually came out after getting thrown out looking to talk to Rule in a nice manner, and Scott Fitterer, the GM, said, no, 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 you've been tossed. Get out of here. And as we talked to Rule afterwards, he said, there's just no place for that. He said, we want to be talking about football. We don't want to be talking about fights. So here's the thing, Zoe. I'm shocked. I'm, 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 I'm actually shocked that this is happening to Bill Belichick. I'm I'm surprised he didn't find guys for contact detrimental. Yeah, because right? it is a waste of your yeah, time. It's a waste a of time. Point. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, um, I, I believe it's it's a lot of it has got to do with the fact that he is going to turn it back. I think as well, the offense they're going to run. Yeah, it's going to be built or it's going to be twenty one personnel, and they're going to hammer it with Matt Jones. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of offense I right. think they have to. Yeah, run. yeah. I mean, they got to be physical. But go ahead. What, what, what were you about to say? Look, well, I was going to say. I mean, they, they play tomorrow. Like I understand it's a preseason game. <laughs> And it's a game, yeah. so you don't want to take dumb penalties in a game. But they, these two teams are going to play tomorrow after fighting with each other all week. Yeah, it just, um, you know, you got to be a professional at some point. And obviously, when you're out there, it is another guy. So you're, I'm a little bit more uh, jumpy, especially when you hit a guy on the sideline, right? I'm that okay. You started. I'm about to finish it. Type of mentality. Yeah. So I understand we got to come to our guys' aid, but the guy shouldn't be even be in that mindset right there. You're not, you're not went and, and I, and I know Bill Belichick talked about this. I know Matt Rule, they talked about this. So they have to be aware and smart. Cause when I had ours, we didn't have fights. 
I mean, guys got into it a little bit, but nobody was fighting out there. It was very productive. And so maybe it's a lack of veteran leadership. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But you definitely don't want to have that, especially with the Cardinals next week. You don't want to have that because you don't get what you need to get out of it so that you can start the season, you know, obviously from an individual standpoint, Chris, but then also collectively being able to get some things kind of ironed out when you're going against guys that aren't familiar with you, right, that are game kind of game planning against you a little bit and, 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 and you get to see somebody different and how to, how they respond to what you t- typically do. It's just so amazing because the mindset you go into a game with is completely different than the mindset you go into a practice with. Right. It just is. Um, right. And because of that, everybody knows you're not going to fight in a game. You're not going to do right, it because right. if you do, <laughs> you're right. going to cross those 15 yards and you get rejected, and you're going to be fine. Yeah. Nobody ever does it. Right. But in practice, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a practice, but that's man. What, no well, that's what I'm saying. Like Bill Belichick is known for. Like if you miss multiple meetings, he'll give you. He'll find you contact detrimental to each meeting. Right. And it'll cut you. Right. Yeah. That too. So if you're out there fighting, right, in in a way that's contact. I don't know if it'll hold up, but at least that's what I'm going in I'm hey anybody fight you're gonna get fined and you're gonna run yeah, for the rest of the practice right. kind of like what BA did right nobody wanted to run and, and it only took one time right it was a uh, doc I think it was yeah, the first hit me I forgot the and uh, who's the tackle that was so well maybe it was Bradley he was fighting was it Eric Winston or no, I don't think no, it was no, Winston it might have been Bradley's soul I okay. think, he, I think All I remember is Dockett that fighting was, that might have been the first fight and they yeah. ran literally the whole practice and after you see that Man, I ain't doing that. No, so you just rain it. it. You just rain it back in, and so I, I, maybe they didn't address it. Maybe they assumed, but they can be productive unless it gets out of control, right? And then, then you have to have leadership kind of step totally. in, player leadership, and saying, "What we doing? We ain't out here wasting our time. Let's get this work in and get out of here." All right, we come back. Zoe's going to stick around. Deshaun Watson has been handed an eleven-game suspension. We'll get into what that means next. The lowdown continues with the latest news around the National Football League. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.